Hey everyone, this is Diane Atwood, and you are listening to the Catching Your Memories podcast. Everybody has a memory, a story, or an experience to share, if only someone would ask. That's where I come in. In this episode, Keegan Alba tells us how becoming a father changed not only his life, but also his career path. When he discovered there weren't a lot of resources for new dads in his community, he decided to facilitate a small support group. The success of that group made him realize that yes, there was a need for more resources for new fathers. Responding to that need has become his passion, and Keegan is now the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Dad Guild. From a support group for seven new dads to an organization with more than 600 members. How did he make that happen? Let's find out. Welcome, Keegan, to the Catching Your Memories podcast, and you are making tons of memories. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Diane. Full disclosure, I want people to know that you are my son-in-law, an amazing man, father of my two granddaughters, Coraline, who's six, and Penny, who's three and a half, and I think you're doing a great job. Thanks. It doesn't always feel that way, but, you know, we just try our best and hope, and hope for the best. Yeah, well, so far it seems like it's going pretty well. I want to talk about you being a father, but before we do talk about that, I'd like you to explain to us what Dad Guild is all about. In a nutshell, okay, I'll try my best. Dad Guild is a nonprofit organization based out of Burlington, Vermont. The mission is to support and empower fathers by offering opportunities for connection, education, and community engagement. And so it's really just to provide a space for non-birth partners and dads to connect with each other, do stuff with their kids, with out their kids. It just kind of like set up a supportive network and just really normalize positive fatherhood engagement. And when you use that term non-birth partner, that isn't just like you. You didn't actually give birth, but it, it encompasses other situations as well, correct? Yeah, I think families look a lot of different ways these days. You might have same-sex couples or folks who've adopted kids or aunts, uncles, grandparents who are acting in a, in a caregiver role or things can look really different across the board. And so we just want to make sure, trying to provide a space that a lot of times that the person who gives birth or the primary caregiver can be, a, there can be a lot of support there and a lot of groups. And we're just trying to make sure that we're being inclusive and that folks who maybe find themselves in that kind of like father figure role or identify as a dad, but but they might not look like look like me and just making sure that they also have the space and a community to be connected to. Okay. So we'll talk in detail about that and what you offer because you have sort of the umbrella organization, but you have some specific opportunities for people. When I say specific opportunities, I mean, you have programming. And so there's the programming that's for everybody. And then you also try to meet the needs of individuals as well. Yeah, I think right now we have like about 11 different programs. And so we have play groups that dads can come and do with their kids. Then we do dad's night out or dad's day out events. And that's just for fathers to come and connect and, you know, talk about parenting and bond together. But then we also do book groups. We do workshops. Uh, we do Zoom check-ins. We have a peer support fire group. We do some community-based volunteering. There's an app called Marco Polo that we use for like video support, video messaging in groups. And we just had a podcast come out just trying to provide as many different avenues to encourage dads to be involved in their caregiver roles as possible. And we will go into more detail later, but I want to talk about you being a dad. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 
So even growing up, did you know you wanted to be a dad? Yeah. I mean, I can't like pinpoint like, you know, what, what day it was or what year or anything, but yeah, I think I was always excited about the idea of, you know, finding a partner and starting a family together and and raising kids. And, you know, I I think part of it is so ingrained in our culture where I grew up watching TGIF on ABC when I was a kid, where it was like full house and family matters and perfect strangers where, yeah, it was, that's just, that's kind of what you saw. You're like, Oh, that looks fun. Um, So not, (laughs) That's just put a whole lot of thought into it. It's like, oh yeah, that's just what kind of what you do. But I was, you know, excited for that. Now I know your parents and they're wonderful people, but I can't picture your house being like full house. No, no, definitely wasn't. But yeah, no, my parents are lovely, fantastic people. And I feel so privileged to grow up with such uh, supportive parents and a loving family. And I'm so grateful that uh, you found a loving partner in my daughter. It's hard work though, isn't it? Being a parent. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's great. I I love it. And also it's really challenging. And then there's times you're like, oh man, like, what are we doing? It's exhausting. Your brain is just, I feel like I have so many things I'm trying to keep track of. And there's just so little time for, it feels like anything these days. So it's, yeah, it's not easy. Well, you know, our lives, they take unexpected turns. Becoming a father was a turn you did expect. But did you ever think that it would lead to you leading an organization for fathers? No, it's funny, like in my career exploration, I was an educator prior to this role. And yeah, I liked working with teenagers, but I kind of struggled finding like, what am I going to do for my rest of my life? And for a while, I fantasized about opening up a food truck and like, I got into like, oh, maybe I'll package some food and sell in grocery stores, but nothing really took off. I just knew I didn't, I wanted to do something different. But yeah, I had no idea that becoming a dad would actually like not, not only change my life personally, but actually turn into my career right now. So it's, yeah, it's, it's actually had a pretty significant impact on my life. So probably for the first year and a half after Coraline was born, you were immersed in figuring out parenting. Yeah, it was tough, especially I worked in an alternative high school and folks really stressed self-care and it was a demanding job, but you'd come home at four o'clock and take care of yourself. But once you have a kid, it the self-care becomes really challenging because all of a sudden you're working with clients all day, then you get home and you have the most important client in the world. And you're like, man, when do I get to take care of myself? And yeah, it was an eye opener into parenthood. And one of the things that I have observed is how well you and my daughter work together. I'm sure that there are moments when you'd like to just run in opposite directions, but you have this ability to sit down and talk things through and figure out, all right, how are we going to meet this challenge or that challenge? I also know that when I became a mother, there were some support groups. There weren't very many, but now it seems there are tons of support groups for mothers or opportunities for mothers to talk to other mothers. But what's out there for dads? What was out there for dads for you? There wasn't much. And, I, and I'll say too, there's a number of groups for new moms or expectant mothers. And I also said there should be more. 
because I think that transition into parenthood is just there needs to be so much more support and services out there. There's still not enough for people expecting to give birth. There's very little for, for dads, like if, if anything. There was one group that met Tuesday nights here in an or, another organization for dads, but it was 4 to 7 p.m. once a week. So it was kind of tricky timing because we had a routine where we were doing dinner at like 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock starting bedtime. So it just didn't quite work with our, our schedule. And... I'm trying to think back, like, yeah, there was really nothing that was father specific. You know, there'd be play groups and things, but uh, a lot of times you don't see too many dads at those. So you didn't find anything exactly, right? You were involved in starting something way back then. Yeah, that was, gosh, back in 2017 when Steph, she was involved at a local yoga studio doing, there were some prenatal and then postpartum groups and some yoga. And they also had a support group for new moms called Vermamas. And the the owner of the studio is Evolution Yoga. She asked, hey, if anyone knows any dads who'd be interested in facilitating a group for new dads, let me know. And Steph was like, oh, actually, I think Keegan would love to do that. Because I've, I've always really enjoyed just like, you know, being vulnerable and being honest and in those spaces for men to be engaging in that work. I, I'm a huge fan of. And, and also selfishly, I was like, yeah, I also, <laughs> I want, I want a group. That sounds great. And so, yeah, reached out to the owner and we started a group that met once a month for nine months and there was like seven dads in there, but yeah, just like a support group that we'd meet once a month for a couple hours and just do a bunch of prompts and people share with one another. So I think it's interesting when you use those terms, being vulnerable, being honest, that's not the norm. Not with men, men a whole lot. <laughs> I think in our society, a lot of men, we've been kind of encouraged to put up a mask or to not share too much. I think we've come a long way, but I don't think it's super common to find spaces where men are just walking in and sharing what they're thinking and feeling, particularly around parenthood, where I think there are these messages out there that it's just such a beautiful time and everyone's so happy and it's so great. And then we start feeling all these other things. We're like, oh, actually, I feel angry. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. I'm feeling all these things. But who am I? Who am I talking to about that? And so I think as people go through that process, I think a lot of folks realize how important it is to have someone other than their partner to be connected with and sharing, talking about these experiences with. And so that's what happened in the support group? Yeah, the group started, I remember the first night and I asked people like, hey, why why did you come here? And pretty much every guy's response was because my partner, my wife made me. And I was like, uh-oh, that's, that's not great, but you're here, okay. But then by month nine, this group had developed this really strong sense of identity and people had really shared some pretty honest stuff, which was really amazing. And by month nine, when we were ending, the kind of response was, wow, this was huge. And it filled this hole that I didn't really know existed. And how do we keep this going? I'm curious if you've discovered something about yourself in that process, participating and leading this group. I think for me, maybe just some confidence of like, I can do this. And it was interesting to be in a group where it's not like I had specific training or had a background in like, I didn't have a degree being a dad or anything. Being in a space, you're like, okay, I guess I'm the one facilitating this. And then by the end, this group has this identity. And I would say the energy of the group obviously comes from the people who are within it. And that's what makes it so beautiful. And also this kind of like, hey, I can set up these spaces. I can just kind of make this happen. So I think that kind of like had a light bulb for me of, 
I don't think it's necessarily that I have this tremendous skill at doing this, but it's more of this as a passion. And, and I think someone just needs to step in and be like, hey, I'm passionate about this and this is a need. So I'm just going to do it. And yeah. But you didn't continue doing that support group, right? That ended? Yeah, that ended. And we tried getting a second one going a few months later, but not enough people signed up for it. So it didn't happen. And it was like, okay, well, that didn't happen, but something needs to. So So as I remember the story, you and one of the other dads in the group started meeting, brainstorming. Yeah. So this other father who was in the group, Nicholas Kramer, we were talking and he was interested. He's like, oh yeah, let's talk about stuff about like how this could look. And so I was talking to Nick the other day about this. This is funny because we went to a bar on a Saturday afternoon and we got there and I think he thought we were just going to like hang out and chat, but I pulled out a notebook and I was like, okay. And Nick was like, whoa, this guy is actually serious. He has a notebook. I was like, yeah, we're going to write this stuff down. So we just brainstormed a bunch of ideas and then started researching what else exists elsewhere uh, in this country or in the world. And that just started coming up with some ideas from there. And were there other groups that you found that you modeled Dad Guild after or just got ideas from? There's not a whole lot that we were finding. There's two that we kind of modeled a little bit of what we're doing after. One is a nationwide organization called the City Dads. And what they do is they support dad groups happening in different cities in the United States. And they did a lot of cool kind of dads getting together and stuff with their kids. And we reached out to them, but they only support people that get group starting in metropolitan areas. And unfortunately, even though Burlington's the largest city in Vermont, didn't meet their qualifications, which is fine. They gave us some resources. And then there was another organization in London, Ontario, up in Canada. There's an organization we found there called Dad Club. And that one, I think we were really drawn to because they did this combination of stuff with dads, stuff with kids, and also community engagement and volunteering. And they also made it cool because I think one of the things that I've noticed when sometimes there is fatherhood stuff is that they try to pull out your heartstrings and it's a little sappy, which is it's great. It's beautiful. But I get curious. Does that appeal to the average guy? Are they seeing that and being like, oh, yeah, I really want to go to that. And I think there's an element of, hey, you, you got to kind of make this cool. You got to make it fun, but especially when you're a parent and you're so pressed for time and specifically thinking of men. And we talked about who aren't quick to be vulnerable. I think that if you say we're going to get in a group and talk in a circle, that might turn a lot of guys off. But if you're like, hey, we're going to meet about the brewery and play some video games and also talk about parenting, I think guys are like, oh, actually, Actually, that seems kind of cool. I'm going to do that. And so that's what we did. And then there's a third man who came on board, right? Yeah, Marlon Fisher. It was kind of serendipitous. One day, Coraline's daycare was closed. It was a Friday. And so I took the day off of work and I went to, gosh, the Radio Bean in town. It was like a coffee shop and they have kids music on Fridays. So I went there and Marlon was there, who I'd seen around town, but we chatted. He had his child and we chatted for a little bit and then said goodbye. And then that same afternoon where he was with his kid and I had Coraline still. So then we talked for a bit and he was a stay-at-home dad for a while and just a big personality. And when we started to think about maybe we wanted to make this a nonprofit organization. We needed a board, a board of three people. And so Marlon was the other guy we brought on to meet our minimum requirements of a nonprofit organization board in the state of Vermont. Okay. So you went from just brainstorming ideas, finding out what might be available in other parts of the country to a nonprofit organization. 
Yeah, we also had set up a series of meetings over the course of three weeks and just invited all the dads that we knew to grab some food, have a drink and brainstorm what exists, what would you like to see, what would be cool. 20 different dads came to that over the course of three weeks, just and we just jotted down a bunch of ideas and then became a nonprofit, which you just have to file some paperwork and pay some money and come up with some bylaws and stuff like that. But, but yeah, so we became legit. Was it March 2019 that you became official? Or Dad Guild became official? It was in the late summer of 2018. That's when we became a Facebook group and started putting together newsletters. I think we had two dozen dads in our Facebook group. But then, yeah, in March 2019 is when we officially became a, a nonprofit organization. And how many members do you have today? Just over 600 dads are connected now. That's amazing. And these dads are primarily in the Burlington area? Yeah, Burlington's in Chittenden County here in Vermont. And yeah, it's primarily Chittenden County folks. But we've been having some conversations with different partners throughout the state. And there's been some interest around replicating what we're doing in other communities. And we're interested in doing that in addition to establishing a more formal statewide network of folks doing fatherhood work so we can share resources and do some more advocacy work and see where that goes. And the Facebook group? Well, did you have a Facebook page or a group or both? We, we have both. We started with a group and now we have a group and a page. So the group's private. The intention of that is for dads to join that group and they, they can share with each other and get advice. And, and then the page is just more general, kind of like posting what our organization is up to. Okay. How many members in the group? I think in the group, I think we just hit like 420. Wow. And it's an yeah. active group. I mean, dads share back and forth and ask questions and vent and whatever. Yeah. And I think whether it's people sometimes are like, hey, I'm just going to the park or like, hey, I found a sale at this store on, on Church Street downtown in Burlington for kids clothing. You can check this out. And then also, I think one of the most beautiful things that I see is when a guy will be like, hey, I'm having a really hard time. What do you guys do to take care of yourself? Or I just need some support. And then you'll have over the course of a few days, 30 different guys will be responding. And the responses that I see for the most part, they're not just like, oh, you got this. People take the time to write these really thoughtful, kind responses that yeah. you're just like, wow, that's so awesome. Everyone seems to be really supportive and open to, to everyone, which is just really fantastic. You can't help but think of what the stereotypical description of a father is. You mm -hmm. compare that to what it is that Dad Guild is delivering on, not just offering, but delivering on. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there who I think the idea of going into a group and being vulnerable, that's not something that they're either they're not interested in it, or they're not comfortable about it, or they feel like they don't need it, or whatever reason, that's totally fine. How do we still get those folks into our community? And how do we, you know, because the idea of just exposing people to, sure, you don't have to do this, just know that we are talking about this topic, or I think it's important, like you come out to play disc golf one day with us that, you know, you're having fun telling jokes and stuff. And also to hear other guys share and open up a bit, just to hear it, I think goes a long way. Have you ever had dads who have been forced to go, promise their wives, all right, I'll go, I'll go. And then they walk away feeling great and wanting to come back. A response that I've heard from a lot of people is, I didn't know that I was looking for something like this, but now that I've found it, this feels really good. And some guys, they'll come to a play group and the mom of the child will come with them, which that's totally fine if that makes you feel comfortable. Or maybe mom is also hoping to meet some people as well. That's totally fine. And I do hear, I get a lot of outreach from moms who are saying, yeah, I'm trying to get my 
husband to go, but he is just, he's not interested or doesn't have the time or has said like, you know, he doesn't want any more friends and whatever the reason might be, it's like, okay. And, but I, I always get curious because I'm like, if your partner is saying you should go to this and I think it'd be really good for you. And, and we have the data that we collect uh, from the surveys that we do shows that people are more confident parents. They, their partners say it has a positive impact on them and their family. They make more friends, which is tied to research that you live longer and you're less stressed and all those things you're like, Oh, I'm just, yeah, really curious as to what what is the barrier that's preventing some folks to participate and how can we continue to try to remove some of those barriers? You offer a lot of programming and groups. And so some opportunities you mentioned, it's okay if the, the female partner comes along, the mom, but that's not for all programming. Yeah, we definitely have programs where it's just dads going out. It's really the playgroups and some special events that we do where partners can certainly come and, and regularly do. But then there's a lot of spaces where like, hey, this is just for, for dads. So you have dads who come from all different walks of life, have had different life experiences, but there are certainly all these common threads that you have discovered. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common threads, especially for dads who might think, oh, I'm not going to fit in because of whatever reason? Yeah. Some of the common threads that I've noticed are everyone wants to be a good dad. Everyone wants to be a good dad. Everyone loves their kids. Everyone to some level is like tired (laughs) and just stressed and to some level. And I think those things, because I think that piece you said around parenting isn't easy. And it's like, yeah, it's not. And so when I think when you walk into a space and you're like, oh, here's a bunch of other guys who they all know parenting isn't easy and they all want to be the best dads that they can be and they all want their kids to do well and they want their kids to love them those are pretty deep meaningful things like i want to be a good person and that's what people are connecting over as opposed to like hey we both like baseball so that's what we're going to connect over it's like hey actually i want to connect around being uh i want to be like the best version of myself and i when I want what's best for my kids. And that's where I'm going to start this relationship with these people. And I think that's a really powerful place to start. And then there must be some dads who really do feel like nobody understands my situation for whatever reason. And knowing you, I'm sure that you find a way to try to make a connection, to make something available to that dad. Again, no matter what someone has going on in their life, that shared identity of being a father and wanting to be the best father you can be and wanting what's best for your kids and loving your kids, those core values and those core things, I think you can immediately have a lot in common with someone. So I think it's just a great place to start. And then from there, yeah, just really listening and hearing what people have to say, because I've definitely met tons of dads who have a lot going on. And the first time you meet them, you're like, hey, how you doing? And they just talk for 10 minutes because they're just, you can tell you like whoa you you're carrying a lot and it's so important for you to be connecting with other people and talking about this and then to ask the question what how can i help you what do you think you need that mm. you're not getting but you're right listening and i think something too i mean there's research that shows around with specifically fathers that they prefer more informal supports and they prefer more peer communities and that's how they get their information and support as opposed to a more formalized someone you know an expert coming in being like hey do this don't do this and i think that's what makes our community so great is that none of us are like oh yeah we have all the answers all of us are like 
man, we are all making mistakes and learning as we go. And everyone in our community is an expert in some way and trying to find ways to like, hey, how can you share whatever you're an expert in? How can you share that with these people? And, and how do we, how can we just really appreciate one another? So you talked about early on in the interview, you talked about what you learned as a dad from leading that support group. But now you've had six years of experience and you have Dad Guild and all the other dads. How do you think you have grown up to this point? Oh, man, um, I'm still still working on a lot of things. I think for me, realizing just how anxious of a person I am and how much anxiety I have, I think being able to kind of have a deeper understanding of myself and what makes me uncomfortable and when I'm anxious, what do I tend to do? And then it's kind of exploring that and why. And I think that's been a big piece of it. And then just being patient. And I think that piece too, of just always growing. I think as the years go on, I think that's the biggest piece is that I'm never going to have it figured out and that it's just always looking at things from different perspectives and engaging in conversation with folks and, and trying to grow. I did another podcast interview about motherhood mm -hmm. with a friend of mine. And one of the things that she learned is learning, her daughter is 12, is every phase as her child grows, it's like there's a different person there. And mm. She has to learn something new. The mother has to learn something new. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You were just two and you were this way. And what? All of a sudden you're a whole different person. And I have to figure mm. out how to cope and deal with you. <laughs> are you out of the, what is it? The twos or the threes? We are right in the middle of the, the three-nager stage with Penny. She knows what she likes. She knows what she doesn't like. And she lets you know. Yeah. So we have a, there's a, some strong personalities in the house that it's a lot of energy. Yeah. Four strong personalities. I think the two adult personalities are getting more and more tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need the grandmothers to come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you recently gave up your day job to become sort of kind of full-time at Dad Guild. Yeah, I was president of the board for just about three years. And so I ran Dad Guild as a volunteer with the support of the board. But initially, I was working full time at a mental health organization. Then I transitioned, started working full time at a parent child center here in Burlington, Vermont. And I worked with dads there. Then I went down to part time about a year ago. And then this past January of 2022, I stepped down from the board and I stepped into a 10 hour a week executive director role. Our capacity has increased a bit. And so at the end of May, I left my job at the parent child center, the family room. And right now I'm working 20 hours a week at Dad Guild. And then starting July 1st, probably around 30 hours in that position and hoping, hoping that can last. We'll see, but we're just going to continue trying to increase our capacity. So you have to do fundraising. That's what nonprofits do to keep going. That's what we got to do. So, you know, in addition to like running programs and forming partnerships and building awareness in the community, fundraising, so writing grants, doing fundraisers and developing relationships with businesses and donors. So that will become a, a big chunk of the work. And I'm curious about that, developing relationships with people in the community. You've been doing that even before it became a nonprofit. How has that gone? How do people receive you when you come in and start talking about Dad Guild? 
it's usually really well received. I think people get very excited because I think regardless of what anyone's experiences with their own father or being a parent, I think the idea of support for dads or engaging more fathers in their caregiver role, everyone gets really excited about. And a lot of the responses I hear, if, if someone has a young kid, they go, like, what? What's, what's this? And then people who maybe are, are older are like, oh gosh, I wish that had been around years ago. That would have been great. And so I think it's something that everyone gets excited about because I think that, you know, those stereotypes that exist of dads not going to the playgroups or just, you know, watching sports, those exist for a reason. And so I think anything that's kind of contrary to that idea around guys playing with their kids more and talking about their feelings and volunteering in their community, I think people get really excited about that idea. And what are some of the partnerships that you've had? We've had a bunch in terms of different programs and different organizations. Some of the ones that I'm excited about that we're working with right now, the Vermont Women's Fund and the Vermont Network, they do work around domestic violence and sexual abuse. And I think people are really interested around, one, this healthy masculinity image that we're putting out around being a man and being masculine and also being loving and caring and empathetic and being with our kids. And additionally, I think folks are really interested in the gender equity work because there's been a lot of research around how men make on average more per hour than women do and how a lot of that is tied to when a child is born women are the ones who have more leave if they're lucky and they're the ones taking time off from work they're the ones who are more likely to you know leave the workforce for a few years and then when they go back there's all these lost wages or they need more flexible jobs they can't take on more demanding ones because they need to be the ones who pick their kids up from school or take them to doctor's appointments any new way of being where hey men this is also what's normalized you know you taking time off from work and you coming to play groups and when you have a question, you reaching out to your network of dads so that way it just doesn't become the default responsibility of mothers to be doing. And so looking at our work through that lens as well. So when you work with other organizations, you together maybe develop programming, but you also get funding. Yeah. And I think that's for us moving forward is we have some partnerships who we've you know done a few activities here and there with, but now looking at, hey, how can we do some more meaningful work together? Like we'll be collaborating with the Vermont Network. They have this pilot program they're setting up around having crucial conversations around gender equity or domestic violence or taking care of yourself and creating a space because a lot of times the missing piece of some of these conversations is men, like a, gr a group of men. And so providing space where it's like, hey, we have 600 men. Men, and let's create spaces for men to be talking about these issues, not only so they can be more informed and better suited for these conversations and have a better understanding themselves, but also they're raising children. And how are we empowering them to be having these conversations and feeling confident uh, that they can talk about these issues with their kids? You're hitting a couple different generations at the same time, too, which makes the work really powerful. So Dad Guild has really evolved from those beginning moments when you're just brainstorming. It's far more than just supporting new dads. It's really getting dads involved. Yeah, that's always been our vision. I think if you look back like on our first page of notes, and this is where I think Nick and I work well together, because if you sit me down, I'll draw you the map of all of the things that we are doing and that we're going to be doing. And Nick's the one who's like, Keegan, that's great. And let's just do one thing. We got to start with one thing. We have this 
really strong vision for what Vermont fatherhood can look like and how we can really become a nation's leader and how we're involving dads. But it all started with, hey, let's just start with like meeting up at a playground. Let's start with getting guys together to play board games. And yeah, it's evolved, but it's definitely all been part of our long-term strategy as well. Because now we're getting to a point where there's guys who come out who want to sit around in a circle and talk about how they're feeling. But then there's also the guys who just want to come throw a Frisbee around and like, cool, let's provide avenues into our community for whatever the need may be. And then there are the activist dads. Yeah, so trying to keep getting more avenues and keep pushing people to you know, take that next step as well. So we should tell people how they can learn more. You've got the website, which is dadgill.org. Yep. You can go to our website and you can learn about what we're doing, sign up for our newsletter there. We're on Facebook. Just look up Dad Guild and on Instagram at Dad Guild. And then we have a podcast. Our second episode should be coming out soon. We just released the first one in May. It's called Modern Pop, a Dad Guild podcast. And that can be found wherever you find your podcasts these days. Do you have to live in Vermont in order to be a member? Yeah. Although we had a virtual check-in the other week and like someone from, I think it was Georgia came because they had a friend and they, they had asked like, hey, can my friend come? And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. But yeah, the intention is for, for Vermonters and also we'll continue to explore that because we don't want it to become too big. But part of that long-term vision is, hey, if there are communities outside of Vermont where people are looking for fatherhood support, what, what can we do to help support you in creating something or getting something going? So I think that's work that we're interested in as well. Yeah, there are some elements of Dad Kill that would work universally. And then there are others like your meetups in person that have to be in the, within the community. But people from around the world can access your podcast, could sign up for your newsletter because the newsletter just doesn't list events. This is very true. So you offer an incredible amount of resources. Yeah, and I think that's something we're, we're, we'll be putting more and more resources on our website in the months ahead now that our capacity has increased. Because recognizing whether it's social anxiety or scheduling conflicts or geographic location, that we don't want those barriers to be the reason why someone's not getting resources or hearing people talk about fatherhood. So look for more resources coming onto our website soon. Are you doing a lot of this by yourself at this point? I mean, you're the only paid employee. Is that what I call you, an employee? Yeah, I'm, I am an employee now. So yeah, I do the bulk of it. And then Nick, he's taken the lead on the podcast and does the editing and all that. And we have some really fantastic board members that have each have their own passions and, and support things happening in the dad guild world. And then as we're growing to, we're also going to be looking to the dads within our network to how can those folks give back or share what they're passionate about with the community. Right. Okay. And you do have an office now. Yeah, it's a shared works. I mean, this is my basement, but then I, yeah, then I also have a shared workspace, but yeah, just a, a space to go. But we you know we do have dreams of one day having an actual physical space that can be multi-purpose where we can have playgroups there, we can have meetings there, have groups there, do workshops, uh, and also use it as an office. Uh, hopefully that day will come sometime. And maybe you'll get enough funding to be able to have more than one employee. That would be, that'd be great. Yeah, we have some ideas of how we want that how that could look, but we'll see what happens. And your board of three is now a board of? Six. Okay. Are there any questions that you were hoping I would ask that I failed to? I can't think of any. I seem to cover most of the bases. Even if you weren't my son-in-law, I think you were doing <laughs> amazing things. Well, thanks. I, yeah. I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. And you're a great role model too. And uh, I guess you have found your passion. Maybe there'll be a food truck on the side. 
I'm done with the food truck thing. Uh, I, I was going to say, one thing that's really cool is that Coraline, who's now six, that for her, the past few years, the norm for her is that most weekends, she's going to this dad guild playgroup. Dad's going out to meet with a bunch of other dads. That For her, this, that's become normal. That she, that she looks forward to and gets excited about is a bunch of dads getting together on playgrounds or going into the woods with our kids. And to me, knowing that that for her is the baseline of that's just what dads do. It's like, oh man, that's awesome. Because I don't think a lot of kids get that same, you know, their dads might be involved, but just the idea of a bunch of dads coming together for her, you know, it's just really cool that that's what she will now expect of men (laughs) in terms of when they become parents and their caregivers. It just really warms my heart when I hear her get excited about going to play groups or ask about them. So I'm curious, where did you all go this weekend? We had a playground play group at a park up in Burlington, Battery Park. We had like 16 dads come out to that. We had a bubble machine, so it was blowing bubbles all through the park. And uh, yeah, it was fun. All the kids were just like running around chasing them. And I got to talk with a bunch of dads. That was fun. And what will you dads be doing in the upcoming weeks? You've got some events that are just for the dads, the kids stay home. It's a busy time of year with school ending, but we do have a fundraiser coming up at the end of this month. Two of our board members are also comedians in the community. So they're doing some stand-up and the topics will be around parenthood. And there's a storyteller who's going to be coming and talking about fatherhood. And we're just going to share a bit more about what we're doing here at Dad Guild. And yeah, one of the dads in our community, he runs a coffee shop in town. So he's going to open up at night for us and it should be a great night. Sounds like fun. It does. If you need somebody to come and watch the kids, just call me. Only takes me four hours to get there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We could always use more of that. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know you've got a busy schedule in between dad guild responsibilities and dad responsibilities. And I have no doubt that, yes, dad guild will continue to be really successful and that you're going to be helping dads not only throughout the state of Vermont, but everywhere. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I always love sharing what we're doing. And yeah, hopefully someone listens and is like, oh, that's really cool. (laughs) All righty. Well, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Have fun. And I hope you get some downtime too. Yeah, me too. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Catching Your Memories podcast. Many thanks to Keegan Alba for sharing his experiences of being a new dad and how that led to him co-founding and leading the nonprofit organization Dad Guild. You'll find more information about Dad Guild and how to get in touch at dadguild.org. If you would like to read a transcript of this episode or listen to previous episodes, go to catchingyourmemories.com podcast. Be sure to come back in two weeks for the next episode of Catching Your Memories. And if you have stories or memories you would rather not share in a podcast, but would like to preserve for your family, I also record personal interviews. You can learn more about that service at catchingyourmemories.com. This podcast was created, produced, recorded, and edited by me, Diane Atwood. Catching Your Memories, the interview of a lifetime.